Welcome to Sound Encounters, the show where I take you on a musical journey as we explore different genres, bands and artists, and new and classic releases. I'm Cesar Torres, and I'll be your guide today. Welcome to a brand new episode of Sound Encounters. We have a great episode for you today. We're going to be talking about the legendary electronic duo Daft Punk. Before we get into that, the Grammys was last week, last weekend, and I want to talk about it because it's just so fun to talk about the Grammys because sometimes, or I should say every year, something just really, really dumb comes out of it. And I want to talk about my predictions because I re-listened to the episode where I talked about my predictions to see if I was right and to see what I got right and what I got wrong. So first, uh, and I'm not going to talk about every category. I'm just going to talk about the categories that I mentioned uh, on that episode a couple months back. The first one I talked about was Record of the Year. And I had said I wanted Doja or Billy to win. Uh, I, I, I still enjoy Say So. That's still a really fun, catchy song. However, after listening to Everything I Wanted Again, I am so glad that Billy and Phineas got the, the Grammy it is a phenomenal song, and I was even more happy seeing like their get up when they got the Grammy and went up on stage. So good job for Billy and Phineas. It was a well-deserved win. Then I said I wanted Folklore to win Album of the Year because, God, I, this, uh, this, this category is just not the best. Maybe the, the other person who should have won is Dua Lipa with Future Nostalgia. But everything else on here, I just I either I didn't like or haven't listened to or I just don't care. Still haven't listened to Coldplay. I don't I don't want to listen to Coldplay. <laughs> um, but yes, Folklore won. I said I had the best shot of winning. It, it's it's a fantastic album. Probably one of Taylor Swift's best, if not her best. And she deserved the win. Song of the Year, I, I said Billy or Roddy Rich, which listening back to that episode, I was just like, you said Roddy Rich. Why? I, I don't think... I, I would have loved for Roddy to win. I think The Box is a great song. But I just didn't... like With the perspective I have now, it should have gone to Taylor or Billy. Instead, it went to her with I Can't Breathe. Which, sure, I, I would have preferred Billy or Taylor over her. And I definitely would have uh, preferred if The Box won. Because that would have been great. Best New Artist. I knew... That Phoebe wasn't going to win. Phoebe didn't win anything, any category, by the way. It's, if you want to talk about snubbed, I think Phoebe got snubbed because she should have at least won one category. You know, Punisher was such a great album. She's such a great artist, but she she got snubbed and Phoebe didn't win Best New Artist. Instead, it went to Megan Thee Stallion, which I had stated in that previous episode that, yes, Megan had a big year, and I, I, I wasn't surprised at all that she won a lot of awards because, you know, 2020 was her year with her record, with WAP, with um, the whole Tory Lane situation. So, you know, props to Megan. She is a good artist. I enjoy her music. I just, I, you know, I, I wanted Phoebe to win something skipping down to best pop vocal album i said i wanted folklore but dua lipa won um i kind of want to listen to future nostalgia now i'm a bit familiar with dua lipa's um music but i haven't really listened to the entire future nostalgia record now that you know she's got um some grammys she won some grammys because of that record i'm gonna 
go back and listen to that record and, and, and see what all the buzz was about. Arca did not win Best Dance Electronic Album. I knew it wasn't going to win. I, I just really wanted Arca to get some sort of recognition. Instead, K. Tronido and their record, Bubba, won. So I, I should listen to that record, too. Hey, why not? Um, Shmika by Fiona Apple won Best Rock Performance. I said that it was one of the strongest contenders on there. I really would have loved if Kyoto or Not won. I think Not is still the best song on that list. But Shamika won. I had said Fiona has a history of winning Grammys, so this comes as no surprise. But what really does come as a surprise is the best rock song went to Brittany Howard. Shamika is on this category, or is in this category, and it didn't win. I, I guess maybe like I, we maybe we shouldn't get Fiona like the same Grammy for two separate categories, but this would have made sense if, if Fiona won. Honestly, any other artist here would have made sense if they won. Brittany Howard just seems like a weird pick. Like, Phoebe and Tame Impala are in this category. They're right there. Please pick them. And if you're going to put Big Thief on this list, it, it seems like they like Big Thief if they're going to put them on uh, on this list. I'm just... Uh, Big Thief needs some recognition, uh, especially for that song, because Not was a, a phenomenal song. Strokes won Best Rock Album. That comes as no surprise. Everyone loves the Strokes. That this new album got a, a lot of buzz, a lot of uh, positive reviews. So the new Abnormal, you know, I said they were going to win. They had the best chance of winning. So I'm glad that they won. Fetch the Bolt Cutters won the best alternative music album. Uh, I was right. Again, I'm going to gloat now because we're going to get into we're going to get into these um, categories where I was just like, oh, I, you know, I, I, I was right for all of these. And I was so happy that I got these right. I got Fetch the Bolt Cutters right. And I would have preferred Punisher, but, you know, Fetch the Bolt Cutters, still a great album. Um, I was also right about Nas winning the best rap album. Although if Freddie Gibbs would have won, that would have been a huge upset. That would have been so nice. And Freddie took to Twitter after the announcement and, and, and he, you know, he was like, yeah, maybe next time. And actually I, I would recommend go watching that tweet. Cause it was a funny tweet. Thundercat won best progressive R&B album with it is what it is. That was a bit of a surprise. I know I didn't really talk about the best progressive R&B album, uh, on that, uh, episode, but I'm glad that Thundercat won. Best Rap Performance and Best Rap Song both went to Megan. I was right about that as well. Congrats to Megan. Fucking great year for her. And Best Melodic Rap Performance, surprisingly. I didn't think Anderson Pac had, had a chance of winning, but he won. And I'm so happy for him because Lockdown is such a great track. Uh, it, it is the best track on this list, although I wouldn't have been upset if someone like Drake won. Because I listened to, what was it, Laugh Now, Cry Later? Um, and that's not a bad track, actually. Um, so yeah, those were the, the Grammys. I can't believe Jesus is King won Best Contemporary Christian Album, especially after Kanye, you know, uploaded that video of him pissing on his Grammy or one of his Grammys. Um, Jesus Christ. <laughs> also, that album is, is just not great. I, I really don't like I, I, some of these albums I want to listen to again or, or songs I want to listen to again after, you know, they won the Grammys or, or, or won a Grammy or were nominated. But I, I don't want to touch Jesus King ever again. I unless I do some like guide to Kanye West. And then even then I'll, I'll be reluctant to, to listen to Jesus is King because that was that was not a good album. <laughs> Tell me who you think deserved the Grammys. Tell me who you think got snubbed. 
please let me know. I'd love to continue this Grammys discussion because the Grammys generates, you know, a, a bunch of conversation following the, their, the, the, the event. But yes, please let me know. Social media at Sound Encounters on Twitter and Instagram, as well as anchor.fm forward slash Sound Encounters. Send me that voice message. Your voice message will appear on the next episode. But now that we got that out of the way, I think it's time to talk about Daft Punk. All right, so I promised that last week I would talk about Daft Punk. And last week, I, you know, I did my best to say a couple of things about the duo now that they were gone. And I just, I, I said something like I was, I, I had already mourned them. So it just felt like redundant to like be upset about it again. But, you know, I, I listened to their work again to prepare myself for this episode. And while I was listening to their work, especially while listening to their last full length release, that's when it really hit me. I was just like, oh, God, they are gone. And so, yeah, it was it was a bit, bit bittersweet to hear their work again. And honestly, like albums like uh, Random Access Memory memories have a whole new context now that i realize that this that 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 was their last full-length lp but i'm getting ahead of myself before we start talking about their discography i want to go over a little bit of background and talk about the duo's early days daft punk were a french electronic music duo that formed in 1993 the two upstanding gentlemen behind daft punk guy manuel de homen cristo and Thomas Bangalter actually met in 1987 in secondary school in Paris. So they were friends for a while before forming Daft Punk and even started a group before they donned the helmets. In 1992, they formed Darlin, named after the Beach Boys song of the same name, with guitarist Laurent Brankowitz. They would later express indifference as their time as a Darlin, even though it only lasted several months, and they performed about like two gigs. They were enamored by a negative review from Melody Maker that described their music as daft punky thrash. Darlin disbanded and Brankowitz went on to form a little band by the name of Phoenix, might have heard of them, which left Bangalter and Manuel de Homan Cristo to pursue another small project. They started experimenting with drum machines and synthesizers, and in 1993, they attended a rave at Euro Disney and met the co-founder of the Soma Quality Recordings label, Stuart Macmillan. They gave Macmillan a demo which contained their debut single, The New Wave. This is an acid techno banger. Those drums are, are pulsating. It, it's almost abrasive with how loud it is, along with the caustic synth flares. It's quite the track. I recommend you listen to this if you haven't already, just to give a feel of early, early Daft Punk that you can't find on like streaming services. It's an important song for the group. It was their, or for the duo, I should say. It was their first song as Daft Punk, and it laid the foundation for one of, I think, their best songs. On that same demo they gave to Macmillan, they also had the final mix of the new wave, which was the early version of what would later become Alive, which was featured on their first studio LP, Homework 1997. Now, I know everyone prefers their second album, but Homework has always had a, a special place in my heart. This is really the only Daft Punk album that is solely focused on house music. And I love I, I love house music in general. So yeah, this is like my favorite album of theirs. And I get the arguments as to why it's not as loved as Discovery or even like Random Access Memories. 
the album is a bit long. Songs can get one-dimensional, especially towards the end, and they can sound skeletal at times. But honestly, this record really grew on me with time. I now see it as a house classic, and it is a house classic. How could you not like tracks like Defunk, Around the World, you know, two songs that got them a lot of attention in their early days. I've seen some complaints that this album is repetitive, and whenever I see comments like this, I just assume the people making them don't understand house, because that is the appeal of house music. The constant beat with those kick drums on Defunk are so iconic, almost as iconic as that funky synth riff. That riff and the drum beat is so ingrained in my head because of years of listening to it, and I'm amazed that I still can't get enough of it. Which brings up a good point about their songwriting. Despite their use of samples and synths and drum machines, they knew how to write a catchy track. Around the World, one of their biggest singles, really has four main components to it. The boogie bass line, those shimmering keyboards, the beat with the hi-hats, and the incessant Around the World vocal line. And yeah, you could look at it and say, oh, you know, I can do that. Daft Punk isn't special for making, you know, uh, taking four tracks and looping them. But not everyone can create a catchy tune that, that sticks with you for years. No one, not, not a lot of people have that ear for that. And, and I think that's real talent. When most people talk about homework, they mainly talk about these two tracks because, I mean, it's their two most popular songs and it got so much airplay back in the 90s. But everyone seems to forget about the other tracks on here that make this album a classic and that gave Daft Punk their start into legendary stardom. Alive is my favorite Daft Punk song. You can't tell me that pounding rhythm and the choppy swelling synths don't give you goosebumps. If it doesn't, I don't know what to tell you. Are you are you even alive inside? Uh, I think this was the moment that I realized how diverse their songwriting was. Their, their versatility in creating fun, poppy dance tunes as well as dynamic and, and boundary-pushing electronic music is realized on this record. And again, it's a simplistic track. It, it mainly switches between the beat and the synths, but the duo knows how to keep the tension alive <laughs> throughout the track. First, they introduce the beat, which is already a heart-pumping 128 beats per minute, but then they slowly inject the synths, which I feel have a bit of menace to them. They keep that caustic quality from the original New Wave track, but it was definitely cleaned up a bit. Then when the repetition starts to get a bit stale, they cut the beat track, so it's just the synths washing over you. The only real criticism I have for this track is that I wish it was longer. There were little moments throughout the record that you can see the duo's innovation shine through. Phoenix and Fresh are two of my favorites for its use of sampling. The original samples are just unrecognizable when Daft Punk get their hands on it. You can't tell the duo even used Elton John and Kiki D's Don't Go Breaking My Heart for Phoenix. And the small segment they use and loop from Viola Willis's If You Leave Me Now for Fresh is unbelievable. Same thing for that Billy Joel sample on High Fidelity. While I love the sampling on this record, they would go on to perfect it in their following project, which I'll get to, but man, I, I love a good debut record and Homework is one of the best. Not only were they able to launch the French house scene into popularity, but they also showed they were amazing artists in their craft. Once they unleashed Around the World and Defunct onto the world, everyone turned their attention to them because they were making some of the best electronic music at the time. They were game changers and they would continue to change the game as their career went on. Discovery, 2001. If homework was house music with some funk and 
sort of disco inspiration. Then Discovery was full-blown dance pop with not only funk and disco, but also synth pop, soul, and rock. And because of this new popular direction, their music became more accessible to the mainstream. The duo said they made this album this way because they wanted to explore the playful and wonderful period of early childhood. As a result, this album has a slicker sound to it. It's more immediate than homework, and holy crap, they really upped the ante on this one. Their sampling is on a whole other level. The production is immaculate, songs are catchier, and they're singing more. As well as having other guest singers and and, and guest artists on this album. The song that comes to mind right away when talking about the duo's improvements in terms of production and songwriting that sticks with you is Harder, Better, Faster, Stronger. They recontextualize the slower, funkier disco of Edwin Birdsong into a fun, upbeat club banger. Their turn toward more anthemic songs is reinforced by the lyrics. It's another repetitive set. By the end of the song, you'll know the lyrics in and out, which makes it easier to sing along to on subsequent listens, and which then gets stuck in your head and, and you want to listen to it over and over again. There's still some of that house identity ingrained into this song, but this beat is a tad bit slower than what we're hearing on homework, just a little bit. And I think because of this shift in focus, I was able to appreciate the disco and funk inspirations and their improved songwriting more. Digital Love is another song that takes their songwriting to a whole other level. We actually get a storyline in this track. Bang Alter with a talk box slash vocoder effect starts singing about a dream he had about a girl that he was in love with. Now, because Bang Alter sounds like a robot, this song is... It, it, it makes it sound like this is a song about a robot discovering love and, and what those feelings mean and, and being confused about those feelings. The storyline continues with a song later in the album, Something About Us, as the robot confesses his or its feelings about this person. These are two of the most memorable tracks on the record, and not just because the music is good. Something About Us is a slower electro-funk track that's beautiful, by the way. But because it expands on Daft Punk's identity, they aren't just French house musicians or robots making really fun and catchy electronic music. They, they have a real personality and a message to share. It's appropriate naming this album Discovery because we are discovering this about them and, and it's it's possible that they are discovering this about themselves or the story is the robots are discovering this about themselves. Discovery also keeps that energy from the last record alive on certain tracks. Crescendals is one of my favorites that has that house aesthetic. The beat is infectious and the sample used here helps with that jubilant party feel. And then there are tracks that completely throw me off guard, like Night Vision, as it's a quick and calming interlude, but with a gentle beat and a soothing and swelling ambient pad that's just really dreamy. And it was, you know, different for their discography at that time. I can't talk about this record without mentioning one more time the album's opener. It actually is a fantastic opening track because you get a sample serving of what you are about to listen to throughout the album, improved lyrical writing, godlike sampling and production, and a mix of house, disco, and funk. The duo takes small segments from Eddie Johns' More Spell On You, pitches it up, and loops it to create the instrumental for this track. And I'm not afraid to say that this is probably one of the most iconic and catchiest instrumentals in dance music history. Discovery really proved that Daft Punk were not just, you know, house musicians or just simple dance musicians, DJs, producers. It proved that they were much more than that. 
they proved that they were boundary pushing electronic artists and this was like the first album where they debuted their robot personas the the helmets the iconic helmets that everyone knows so this was just a huge record for them and simply you know i might like homework a little bit more but it, it is really one of the best dance electronic albums ever after discovery they released alive 1997 which is a recording of their daftendrick oh gosh daftendrick Derek tour i don't think i said that right um but it's from a tour from 1997 i recommend listening to this it's you know we're never gonna see daft punk live again and they do a, a, a mind-blowing job of combining their songs together for this long 45 minute rave and again this is only like from the songs from their homework album and it's impressive but they're going to top it i'm just saying listen to this after you listen to Discovery, or even after listening to Homework, because after listening to another live album that they made, this one seems less amazing. Human After All, 2005. Where do you go after Discovery? Well, Daft Punk decided to get even more conceptual on us, as well as a bit darker and grimier. While the gap between this release and Discovery was the same as the gap between Discovery and Homework, Human After All was just really messy. I think it was due to the fact that this album only took six weeks to write and record. I don't know why they did this, but they did. And as a result, we have Human After All. When this record was released, it was greeted with mixed reviews and many fans cite this as their weakest album. And I agree, this album definitely could have used a lot more time and polish, but I can still appreciate what they were doing here, even though it is my least favorite project of theirs. Throughout the album, they comment on how television is a powerful tool that could be used to control the masses. If it wasn't clear from the album cover, as Daft Punk's logo is displayed on a television screen, then how about that track titled Television Rules the Nation? The lyrics Television Rules the Nation is repeated throughout the track's duration. The same goes for a guitar riff that's looped, and I get it. Television is repetitive, it lacks sustenance. But applying this formula to almost every song on this record, then you really start to see the issues that this record has. And it gets old so quickly. They've made repetitive music before, but it seems like this was a step back after their evolution on Discovery. The sampling also takes a big hit with Robot Rock being one of the more disappointing tracks on the album. They sample Breakwater's Release the Beast, which has a killer riff, and Daft Punk takes this killer riff and then loops it until the song is over. The only real addition to the song they add is the robot rock vocal line that's repeated ad nauseum. This is really where the album's writing and recording time frame becomes apparent. Most of these songs are skeletal as they take a riff, loop it, and write one or two lines and sing it over and over again. Some fans don't like the industrial and abrasive sound of this album, and after listening to the clean and pristine Discovery, I see why. But I think this was like one of the better decisions that I liked on this album because it makes this album stand out in their tiny discography. Um, and a album that sounds like Discovery and try to live up to that sound would have been worse than what we actually got. And the mechanical and grimy sound is different. Sure, it, it could have used some cleaning up or it, maybe they could have done more with it. But again, it makes this album stand out even more. Those dirty synth leads and the whispered vocals of Steam Machine is jarring, but it's one of their better experiments. 
The grime and the concept of this album reaches a zenith on Technologic as we get distorted synth leads mixed with this babyish electronic vocals repeating commands. It is a little bit creepy, but the, the creep factor hits a high if you watch the music video for this song, which I recommend. This is a great music video, and it's one of my earliest memories of Daft Punk's music. The Brainwasher is probably the most underrated track here. It's got the best riff on the album. It's very visceral, and it adds a lot of energy to the record. The vocal effects are crazy distorted, which is they got the inspiration from Black Sabbath's Iron Man. But yeah, I, I was blown away when I first heard this song. Again, really repetitive, kind of skeletal, but I think they, they, they hit something special with The Brainwasher. So while it's not their best record, it's not terrible. Honestly, I would probably like it more if not for another project of theirs that gave these songs an entire new context. Alive 2007, 2007. So Daft Punk toured after releasing Human After All. They called it the Alive 2006-2007 tour and then released this album, which catalogs a performance in Paris on June 2007. And I'm not exaggerating when I say this is one of the best live albums ever recorded. I am usually not one for live albums. I think I might have talked about this before when talking about um, Swans' live albums. You know, I'd rather be in the crowd experiencing the music myself than, you know, listening to a crowd react to uh, the music. But live albums really hit different if they mix the songs up. If It's like it's unexpected, like... You know, public castration is a good idea from Swans. They really took the songs from Greed and Holy Money and warped them and, and, and gave them an entirely new context. And that's exactly what Alive 2007 does. The duo mixes and mashes songs from Human After All with their older songs, uh, much like they did on Alive 1997. But here they have way more songs. It's impressive how effortlessly they combined songs throughout their discography it's like they wrote the songs in advance knowing that they would mash them together and knowing that it would work really well because of this a lot of tracks from human after all are improved significantly like you can't tell me you didn't like get goosebumps or freak out and say oh i get it when you heard them combine television rules the nation and around the world for the first time it's because of this recontextualization, it, it becomes this transformative, kind of like borderline experimental record for the duo, and it's just a wild experience. Sudden transitions like in Around the World, Harder, Better, Faster, Stronger are goosebump inducing. The crowd adds to the electrifying energy of these songs, or it could just be the crowd alone that creates this electricity my favorite track here is prime time of your life brainwasher rolling and scratching and alive because it combines a couple of my favorite daft punk songs the transition from rolling and scratching to brainwasher was amazing then there's a smoother transition from brainwasher to alive that's mind-blowing it's like I, I don't really use this word but it's orgasmic <laughs> i don't really want to talk about this album too much I recommend you listen to this after listening to the band's first three albums. Listen to Alive 1997 before this too, because after listening to this, Alive 1997 is going to sound really disappointing or just underwhelming. But this is something that you should experience for yourself because it is a phenomenal live album. 
In between Alive 2007 and the release of Random Access Memories in 2013, they signed up to soundtrack the Tron Legacy movie. And I'm not giving this album its own category or its own uh, main talking point because I don't have much to say about this. I mean, they mix their style of electronic music with orchestral arrangements, and not all of these songs are memorable. There's like a handful of tracks like The Grid and Flynn Lives that stand out to me. Uh, They're actually more memorable than the movie. (laughs) But I only would recommend this album if or soundtrack if you are just a huge fan of Daft Punk, you can't get enough, or you really like Tron Legacy, which, hey, wasn't a terrible movie. Random Access Memories, 2013. So, Random Access Memories. Didn't think this would end up being their last project, but here we are. This album had so much hype surrounding it. It was their first full-length LP in eight years. Yeah, there was Live 2007. Yeah, there was Tron. But this was a new material. And it was teased so expertly with the track Get Lucky. This single was everywhere when it was first released. I seriously could not go a single day without listening to this track in 2013, maybe going into 2014. And while I was annoyed by it back then, I can listen to it now and say... Damn, this is a really good track. Get Lucky features Pharrell Williams on vocals and Niall Rogers from Chick on guitar. We hear another turning point for the band on this track, and it's not a complete 180 because they focus on pure funk and disco. And Daft Punk has alluded to their funk and disco inspirations throughout their discography, but this is the first time they're making music that was solely funk and disco. This song features a killer bass line, the funkiest guitar riff you've ever heard, and a 16th note hi-hat beat. They impressed us with their house and dance mixes, but crafting a disco song and making it sound good after having disco being a laughing stock for like decades, this is the most impressive thing that they've done. Pharrell also gives a stellar vocal performance, probably my favorite Pharrell performance ever. So catchy and great use of falsetto on the pre-chorus. But this was only the beginning. Ram is the ultimate throwback album. Every song on here is to, to some extent a disco and funk throwback. They enlisted a wide array of musicians for this record. Already mentioned Pharrell and Rogers. Julian Casablancas from The Strokes is on a song. Todd Edwards comes back because Todd Edwards uh, collaborated with them on Discovery. Panda Bear from Animal Collective is on here. Paul Williams, and most impressively, Giorgio Moroder, the pioneer of disco in electronic dance music himself. Let's talk about that track with Giorgio, shall we? This album is an homage to dance music, and to have Giorgio on a track, even if he's just talking about his life and it gets, you know, a bit philosophical, that really displays the duo's love and admiration for the music. The actual music on the song is great, too. The way the song explodes with the arpeggiated synth notes after Giorgio's uh, initial monologue gives me goosebumps. The fact that this ended up being the duo's last album as Daft Punk probably wasn't on their minds as they were conceiving this album. But damn, does it really work as their swan song. And, and you know, Giorgio by Moroder, that, that track, you know, as an homage track, as sort of like this swan song track works really well. We started this journey as they were robots creating electronic music, and as time went on, they began to develop human emotion and feelings, and to end their career 
with an album that focuses on actual instrumentation and making that final transition to humanity is perfect. The first track, Give Life Back to Music, is a call to feel organic music and, and bring back organic instrumentation instead of synthesizers and drum machines. Of course, there is that vocoder effect on the vocals and a synth keyboard, but this is the most the band has used real instruments. Lose Yourself to Dance is a similar call to action. This time Pharrell is telling us to feel the music and inviting us to get lost in the music. All the while, we have this funky guitar riff with the clap-along beat. It's so groovy. It's such... The songs are like funky masterpieces. Bang Alter and Manuel de Homem Cristo also incorporate elements of their past music. Synth pop, dance pop is like the main focus of Instant Crush. It has something about his vibes. You know, it's got the mellow synths and lyrics about an emotional separation. There's a smooth guitar instrumental break in the middle of the track. And Casablancas also shines on this song. You know, it's probably one of his best vocal performances ever. It's a great track. Beyond also incorporates an orchestra or an orchestral arrangements, um, recalling, you know, the Tron soundtrack. And I think after watching that epilogue video, Touch is one of my favorite Daft Punk songs. The slow build of the choir singing, If Love is the Answer, You're Home, is just, it gives me this emotional reaction, you know, given the fact that this was their last record. I was a bit lukewarm on Ram when it came out, but I'm glad I gave it a listen again. I really enjoyed it this time around, and viewing it as the duo's last effort enhances the listening experience. You know, it's their last album, and it's a a beautiful send-off to two robots that changed our lives, changed music forever. After the release of Random Access Memories, they helped The Weeknd record Starboy and I Feel It Coming for The Weeknd's 2016 album, Starboy. Last week, I said that both Bang Alter and Homin Cristo helped with the 2017 Arcade Fire album, but it was just Bang Alter that helped with production on that album. And then on February 22nd, 2021, they released a video called Epilogue on their YouTube channel. And that's when we learned that they called it quits. And it was such a Daft Punk way to go out because, you know, we hear nothing from them in between, you know, album releases. And we've heard, uh, in fact, we didn't hear anything from them. We've heard radio silence from them um, after Random Access Memories and they would pop up here and there. But, you know, that's why it felt like I had already mourned the end of Daft Punk before you know, they actually officially called it quits. But I'm glad that we were able to have this discussion because they are iconic, their music is boundary-pushing, and given the recent news, their music has been recontextualized. Now, in terms of listening order for their projects, this is because they're, they have such a small discography, I would recommend listening to their discography in order. However, I do have my own listening order, I think Discovery should be the first album you listen to if you've never heard uh, Daft Punk's music before. It's really accessible. It's catchy. It's poppy. It's fun. It's got some of their best songs on that record. So I would recommend listening to that. 
then after that, you could probably move on to homework or random access memories, depending on what your bread and butter is. If you prefer disco, if you prefer funk, listen to random access memories. If you prefer more electronic and house stuff, listen to homework. And then I would probably recommend listening to Human After All after that because uh, I just I'm not, I'm not a not a huge fan of that record. But there are still some great moments throughout that record. And then after that, listen to Alive 1997, and then listen to Alive 2007. Trust me, you're going to want to listen to Alive 2007 last. And that's it for Daft Punk. Oh, I guess the Tron soundtrack. Listen to that last. Who cares? Listen to the Tron soundtrack last. Um, Again, not my thing, but um, I know some of you will enjoy it. But yeah, that's it for Daft Punk. What is your favorite moment with the robots? What is your favorite song, your favorite album? Let me know on social media at Sound Encounters or send in that voice message to anchor.fm forward slash Sound Encounters link in the podcast description it'll take you to where you need to go but i'd love to hear your thoughts on daft punk because i want to continue this daft punk discussion and that does it for this week of sound encounters make sure to tune in next week for another exciting installment we're gonna do another guide to an artist so i'm not gonna say which i'm gonna keep it a mystery i'm not gonna say who it is just tune in and find out In the meantime, you can follow the Sound Encounters Twitter and Instagram pages with the handle at Sound Encounters. I post updates and share music memes on those accounts, and I interact with the lovely people who give my posts a like and a comment. You can also send me a voice message through Anchor to recommend a topic I should talk about, or you could give me some feedback. And if you do, I'll give you a shout out on the show. Just go to anchor.fm forward slash Sound Encounters or soundencounters.com, or follow the link in the podcast description to send your message. Leave a review on Apple Podcasts, and that too could be featured in an upcoming episode. All right, that about wraps it up. Rock on, music explorers. I'll see you next week. Ciao.